Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having yet, it's the Black Country Blokes Tuna Fat with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cameron, Aaron Jew, and Pete Gavgal. Now, what we're going to be talking today is dementia. And this is something I don't really know much about. I've met people whose grandparents have got dementia. and So today it's a bit of education for me as well. So I know it's something I'm, I'm seeing on every TV channel and people mentioning, but it's something I don't personally know about. So Pete, first of all, can you tell us about what you do and get us into it? Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me along, guys. Um, basically, my profession is I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse now for, or worked in the care sector for 42 years. Uh, my background was learning disabilities to start with. I did 27 years in LD services. Then I managed three very large care homes, predominantly. Uh, my forte now, if you want to say a forte, would be about behaviour. So people who have dementia, a lot of people struggle with the behaviour that a loved one does. So, so understanding why that person displays behaviour you get a lot of people will tell you that behavior is challenging. I'd argue that it's more of a distress rather than challenging. Terminology changes, people now call it, and look at distress. Why is this person displaying this behavior because of a lack of understanding? That comes to it. Um, he's playing up, or is he distressed? What, what is making him play up? And with dementia, we, we spoke for the first time today on the phone, and it's when... The thing that I think about with dementia is when, when they must be frightened all the time. The, the, the one second they're looking at themselves as an 80-year-old man and then they're looking at themselves and they're an 18-year-old in an old person's body. Yeah, well, if you look at that kind of concept, and you are absolutely co correct on that, Kevin, is the fact that if I look at the mirror um, and I have no dementia, I, I have basically my own faculties, I can tell who I am. I can recognise myself. But when this disease starts to um, take hold, when it starts to develop, as it gets through the different stages, there's a part where I look in the mirror and I don't recognize the person. I don't understand who it is. And it can be quite frightening. Um, I could get up in the morning, I could literally, you know, go in the wardrobe to get something to dress. And there's a mirror with this person that I just do not understand who it is. And it can be quite scary, quite frightening. And because of it, my behavior may become erratic or displayed in a way that my loved one doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, no, that to me is unsettling. I look at myself in the mirror and I think, bloody, I lose that, where all my good looks gone. <laughs> but, but to have it on that scale of thinking, this isn't me. And then you must think, in a sense, you're cracking up because you're thinking, is that the real world I'm seeing? The problem you got is when, when dementia starts, um, let's particularly take Alzheimer's. Again, there's, there's lots and lots of different dementias. You've got Alzheimer's, you've got Lewy's bodies, you've got vascular, you've got Corsicoffs, you've got, there's, there's absolutely loads. There's too many to actually go through. But somebody who has Alzheimer's, 
typically the disease starts at what we call the hippocampus this is the base of, of the brain now that part there collects things like memories the things you do um, through your life and it's able to work out so if you're doing a crossword you could work it out you could you'd be able to pull the answer out and do it when alzheimer's starts that's the first place it starts to destroy is your kind of understanding of, of things that are going around you and then when that happens like you said you can't work out what a cup is you know how do i make a cup of tea what's this face cloth what do i do with it you know do, do i wash the windows with it do i you know you, you just lose that capability so when you're actually doing you know things that suddenly you've been doing for years you've learned it's not that you've don't can't do it you, you tend to lose the ability because of the understanding of what it is then most people will display behaviors because there's a need or a want the confusing thing for loved ones and professionals is what is a need and what is a want a lot of people put the two together but if i give an example if we just take say lee's got a bottle of water lee may say i'm quite thirsty now the need is to you know quench the thirst the want is i'll drink a bottle of water and that's the difference is you then fulfill that but somebody with dementia who will have this thirst doesn't realize what it is and where it's coming from will look at a bottle of water and not think to pick it up and quench the thirst because the brain isn't working in the same way. Because that's like, when I was younger, it was Alzheimer's. Your nan had Alzheimer's. Mm. And then dementia come. And I wasn't sure if it was just a new word for it. But I, until we talked earlier, I didn't realise that was just a part of mm. the illness. It's almost a, a symptom, isn't it? A yeah. Again, if I go back, like I so said, I've worked in care 42 years. Um, Alzheimer's, yes, it was probably there. But it wasn't classed as Alzheimer's or dementia. It, you would have heard... Obviously, in the, in the Dudley area, you would have Burton Road, which would have been um, elderly mental illness or elderly mental infirm. So it would have been people who had, quite rightly, some kind of mental health, which was probably Alzheimer's or, or vascular dementia or any others. But it wasn't widely recognised way, way back. And like everything else, it starts to develop and, and we start to name conditions. The problem before is rather than saying somebody has Alzheimer's or Lewis bodies, what we would have said is, oh, they've got some kind of mental illness, rather than actually being specific. And then what happens is people define people by the condition. It's not a person with dementia or a person with Lewis bodies. It's, oh, they're a dementia patient. They're a Lewis bodies patient. I think that's throughout, though, isn't it, Pete? I yeah. think that's our experience with my daughter. She's, mm. you know, you go everywhere and, and the, the hot, some places don't know a name, but they could tell you what a condition was. Yeah. It's like it's like Kevin said earlier about autism. If you take a child with autism, um, and if you look at uh, as loosely as I can normal growth, if you put a two-year-old with autism next to a two-year-old with normal growth, it's, it's hard to tell the difference until they start acting slightly different. Like you can put a load of yellow and blue and green and red bricks, but the person who has normal growth, for want of a word, will, will mix them up. An autistic child will tend to put them in patterns. And it's only until it looks different that you suddenly realise that something's different, you know, that something's changed. With dementia, this person has had a full life. They've led, hopefully, a good life. But this awful, awful disease has now attacked part of the brains that changes their behaviour. And, again, we'll talk about behaviour in a bit, but when you look at how it works, simple things like recognising pain, I know what pain is, but I don't know where it's generating from. And the most common one, believe it or not, is dental pain. Now, just to sort of give you an idea, I've joined a couple of forums on, on Facebook and somebody said that um, her husband will not brush his teeth 
Now, that could be um, sensory. It could be a number of reasons why he doesn't. So she said, what can we do? Um, when you look at bacteria in the mouth, one way you can get rid of it for somebody with dementia is actually use um, orange segments. And the because it's the sugars in the mouth that cause the bacteria that cause the plaque. But orange pieces will help break down the sugars. Okay. Um, you can also use raw food like celery because celery is coarse. Um, and I wouldn't say a big piece. You're talking small pieces. As they chew it, it gets in between the teeth and breaks down the, um, the plaque and gets rid of it. That's a brilliant tip for anyone. Again, we struggle with brushing my daughter's teeth mm. and I'd never thought of anything like that. But something like that, she'll, she'll quite happily have an orange and, yeah. and eat that. But it breaks down the sugars. So, yeah. So what's it? vascular dementia? Because once again, I see that on the adverts. Could you tell us what that is, please? Vascular dementia is normally when you've had some kind of clot uh, or a bleed on the brain. So when you look at vascular, you're looking at, um, at sort of how the, how the blood supplies to the brain. So there's the block, or like I said, there's uh, a bleed on the brain. And it basically causes the area where it um, blocks or bleeds to then basically die. A good way to understand how a dementia brain dies, and it, and it does die, um, this disease, like I said, it, you've got thousands and thousands of neurons, billions, and they will just slowly die over time. Best thing I can do, if ever you want to try and get a visual clue, is go to Asda, Tesco, there is other stores, by the way, um, buy a cauliflower, strip literally the leaves off, and leave the cauliflower out for a few days. And what you'll see, the cauliflower will start to rot, it will get spores, it will go black, and it shrinks. And that's exactly what happens to a brain when it, it starts to die because of this disease. So is there anything, I oh know this is a very broad question, but is there anything that can help to strengthen bits and bobs? Again, there's theories out there that says uh, keep the brain active, um, keep them occupied. What I would say, and, and I worked years ago with, um, again, back in my learning disability days, I worked with a very good consultant who told us that the reason people challenge in behaviour is because they're bored. Now, with people with dementia, you're not going to engage them 24-7. They're going to do stuff. But there is a way that you can engage people um, that if you were, say, a care home and you've got, I don't know, 15 residents, you can actually engage all 15 residents literally in five minutes individually, not as a group, where you're occupying that person to engage in some kind of manner, whether it's talking or an activity. And it's actually called the butterfly effect. It was developed by a guy called David Sheard. Now, if you look at a butterfly effect, butterfly comes into the garden, it lands on a flower. 20 seconds, it moves to the next flower. 20 seconds, the next flower. So it's, it's simple. What you do is you start with a conversation. If it's just a loved one, if it's, say, your mum, your dad, or uncle or aunt, rather than going around everywhere else, make a list of subjects that you know this person enjoys. So it might be um, trains, it might be cars, it might be darts, it could be anything. But only spend about 20 to 30 seconds on that subject. Have a break and then start on the second subject. And it's all about engagement. If this person is engaged and active, you're not going to reverse the dementia. There's only two dimensions you can reverse. But again, they'll only reverse if you do something quick enough. So the first one's Korsakoff. And just by the name, you pretty much know what that is. That's alcohol. So if you abuse alcohol, the obvious one is stop drinking. But you've got to stop at the right time. Otherwise, it'll just continue. The other one is a, is a dementia that's actually caused through syphilis, which we know is a sexual transmitted disease. But again, you've got to be treated at the right time. Otherwise, it still affects the brain. So we do, we do have a, a question. Yes, please get your questions in because all these questions, you know, it's going to bring greater knowledge to us, guys. 
So I'll read the question out. So are there any warning signs to the onset to dementia? And what is the best way to help someone when you may see see a difference before they do? I think I think there, there's definitely warning signs. I think really, if you could tell us some warning signs that you would look out for. The obvious warning sign is that you'll often see what we call mild forgetfulness. So it's leaving glasses somewhere, losing objects, um, not putting out the right change. So it's just the, the first starts are like say uh, forgetfulness. Um, behavior may change um person may suddenly go from you know this nice mild-mannered person to getting quite upset quite emotional quite angry um what can you do remain calm um if you think there's an issue it might be again you've got to remember that sometimes it's what we call biological so something's changing within the body so you may need to go to the gp first what a gp will do is look to see if there's any other things like is it an infection now, common thing for people's forgetfulness, believe it or not, in elderly, is a UTI, urinary tract infection. Um, that alone, if not treated, will cause confusion, which may think that um, people are having, again, some kind of dementia, is, is the brain changing? So what you're looking at is what changes are different to what would normally be for that person. Well, thank you for the question, Steve. I hope that's answered that's it for you. Oh, is that Hansel? Yeah. That'd been your answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaron, is there anything you want is to add? Sorry, Aaron's dropped off, mate. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron was going to move us, but the internet's playing up. It's bonks in 2020. We can still have internet problems. But um, what people's come on today, I mean, we were talking briefly earlier on the phone, and there's, uh, I was watching a programme, and in some nursing homes, they're, um, like, they're playing on the person. Like, if, like, here I am now, 80, and I, I'll go back to being a 20-year-old Kev, and I said, do you think it is a nice way of doing it or do you think it's living up to their delusions? No, I, 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 I totally agree that what you should be doing is living in the moment. What you've got to remember is I may be, like say, 80 in the body, but one of the last things that goes when this awful disease starts kicking in and destroying your brain is what we call long-term memory. So everything that I remember when I was 20, 18, 15, etc., I may display. So, yeah, that, I would live in that moment. I would say to that person and live with it. And the key thing to that is having a good history of that person. Now, there is a slight issue on that, is that most living relatives, if you're 83, might not be around. Those who know your childhood, what you did as 15. As parents, we tend not to tell our children the bad things in life. Yeah. We tend to shield them and protect them. So that they only have a certain amount of story that they can give you. So if you've got relatives that are alive or neighbours or friends, if you live next to the same neighbour for 40 years, ask the neighbour, what was dad like at 20? What did he do here before we came along? What was his likes? What was his dislikes? Where did he work? And all this gathering of information is how you can actually help somebody when they start reminiscing or having memories and flashbacks. Because it must be so horrific. You're that person going, um, as we said, where's mum? Oh, your mum died six years ago. Where, where's Kate? Oh, your wife died. And... To relive that numerous times, it must be bloody heartbreaks for them. Yeah, one of, I would never advocate and, and wholeheartedly would say, do never say to somebody who says to you, um, is mum coming? Um, oh, yeah, I've heard people say, oh, your mum's died. Well, that's traumatic. I've lived through that once. Why do I want to live through it again? And also my brain is actually saying, as far as I'm concerned, I'm maybe 83, but my body's 23. Mum only lives down the road. Is mum popping around for a cup of coffee, etc." What you can do is live for the moment that they believe mum is there. And it's not, and I know people are going to say, 
oh, but are you lying? No, you're not particularly lying. What you're living is that memory for them then. And it's more important that you don't, if you if you say to them, oh, mum's died, you're going to cause distress. You're going to cause upset. They're going to use the word challenge, and I hate the word challenge. So there's going to be behavior you don't have to deal with. But all you had to say was, oh, it's, you know, Pete, it's three o'clock. Mum's fetching the kids from school when she's done that. Then move on to something else where mum can then, you know, dad or mum or whoever it is can focus on something else. And because of short-term memory, which normally goes within about two minutes, they'll forget they're asking for mum. Now, you've not hurt them. What you've done is literally live for the moment for them. You've saved from that pain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I've heard people say, well, look, Pete, you're, you know, you're 83. How old would that make your mum? Well, mum may have had me when I was young. And for all I know, it could be in a care home down the road. Yeah. Why would you put somebody in that kind of pain? I say I watched the program and it, it seemed so humane. If if they want to be in the in the sixties and oh, I'm going I'm going to lead down the Prince Albert, we're going on a clubbing and yeah. thinking, where's the harm in it? There's no harm in it at all. In in fact, like I said, at that moment, and again, it might only last for two or three minutes, but for that two or three minutes, that person has happiness, a sense of well-being. Life expectancy may, I'm not saying it will increase, but for that second it is. It's its so much more than just saying, oh, no, uh, James died 10 years ago. It doesn't matter. To them, it's real. I'm going to the pub. It doesn't. Okay, safety-wise, you wouldn't just let them walk up no. the, the road because of road safety. But you can do things to stop that anyway. But, yeah, live for the moment. They I think are. actually uh, Sherry, who was on last week, has just sent a nice, a nice message there, which kind of underlines what you're mm -hmm. saying. So she says, hopefully you can read this anyway, but my mum couldn't remember us. It was very sad, but she remembered old war songs. I used to visit her and sing the old songs. It was magic to see her eyes light up and also kind of heartbreaking too. But I think that goes, I think that's a lot of what you've just said, actually, Pete. You know, you've said that, I think that's the reason that people try and say, well, actually they're dead, they, this has happened, that's happened, because they're trying to explain the situation, whereas it doesn't really matter at all, does it, at that point? It's just about no. that person being happy. One of the things that you get when you look at behaviours is you might get somebody who will say, when's mum coming? Is mum coming? When's mum coming? And again, there's this awful pain if you say, well, mum died. But if you think about what mum, so if I said to you, Lee, I mean, you know I know your mum. What is mum to you? Yeah, she's everything. She's yeah, she's support, she's yeah. love, she's comfort. Why would you tell Crazy. somebody your mum's not there to offer that? Yeah. What they're often asking you is, I want support, I want comfort, I want love, I want that affection that somebody used to give me, i.e. was my mother, but you just let me know I'm safe. Well, you see it like in the war movies when the soldier's screaming out for his mum, you mm. know, it's just, give me that love, give yeah. me, your mum yeah. will make it better. Yeah. And again, it's and it's funny you say that, because one of the things is, if you think about it logically, if you can't communicate pain, so I can't say to you, oh, Kevin, I've got a headache. What I might do is rub my head. Yeah. That should be enough to teach you that when I was young, when I was a kid, mum rubbed my head. Yeah. Mum said, come here, my love, I'll rub that better for you. And that's what I'm doing. It literally says to me, um, great, you know, that, that's rubbing my head, lovely. That's soothing me. I feel, oh, I feel that much better. I feel with dementia in, in the experience that I've had with, with friends who have had it, it's often the children of the grandchildren who suffered great, just the same, because you still remember your nan and your nan mm. can't remember you. And I, I think that must be so painful when, at the same time, you don't want to add to her pain by saying, I'm hurting nan, remember me, because she just can't do that. One of the things that, that happens is when somebody literally says, um, 
So if you say if you went to your mum or your grandmother and 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 if you've got a son who say I don't know eight nine, what they might not see is Kevin. So when your grand, when your son's there, what they'll look at is look at Kevin, you know, your son and go, all right, Kevin, yeah. because they're going back to when you as a child, yeah. because of that person, your son, will have your facial yeah. expressions, they won't look at you and think, oh, hello, Kevin. Because yeah, I've They're, got older. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still that baby. Because you've got to remember that this awful disease is taking them way, way back. Um, short-term memory, gone within two, five minutes. It's destroyed quite quickly. But your long-term memory is one of the last things that goes. So again, you start to recognise things, but it often you'll look at somebody else and go, "Oh, there's Kevin, you know, there's Susan, etc." But actually, it's not; it's the grandchild. Now, do you think this is a bit of a weird question to ask? But do you think that's a, a blessing or a curse? Combination that, of both. That we um, can remember we're in our prime, but now we're old and we're falling apart. Yeah, I know? think it's I think it's a combination of both. If I'm honest, one is. Um, for the, the person for yourself when you know gran or mum's mistaking you and don't recognize you that's quite upsetting that's quite hard yeah. to take there's this this woman who's 83 that has been my life my soul i've looked after you know she's looked after me she's raised me she's made me the person i am who now doesn't recognize me but she recognizes my son now the good side is she's actually recognizing somebody within the family whether they get the name right or wrong doesn't matter she's holding on still to that family connection you explain it so much better than I've heard. And I, I wish there was more people like yourself on the telly to explain it. And there's another form of dementia. You said um, not vascular, not Alzheimer's. There's another one beginning with lose body. Lose body. What, and what's that? the issue you've got with lose body? Again, it's um, the, with the way dementia works is what we call plaques and tangles, which actually attack the brain. Unfortunately, Louis' body is, is, for want of a word, short-lived dementia. It takes your life away very quickly. So anywhere between three and five years. Out of the dementia, that's probably the worst one because, like I said, life expectancy is a lot low. Alzheimer, you're looking at between six and ten years. But somebody actually mentioned this the other day on uh, Facebook, and what I actually said was, don't go into perceptions of what people say is life expectancy. Each dementia is different for each person. So what one person has, another person may have the same condition, but the way it works, the life expectancy can be, can be completely different. So rather than six to eight years, it can be five years. It just depends. That's it. Sometimes, you know, you can battle things forever and ever. Mm. Well, my granddad Bernard had Parkinson's for bloody hell, 30 years or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, he had all the Parkinson's, dyskinesia and all that. Yeah. But he, in some way, he didn't have dementia. So he, he physically watched himself mm. deteriorate. He watched his wife die of cancer. He watched himself... It wasn't until he was on the, the morphine drip that he started with the opiates. You yeah, know. there's kind of two sides to that. One, um, again, I, I totally appreciate what you, you know, your granddad went through. But Parkinson's is another one that can actually cause dementia as well. So the fact that he didn't get dementia, uh, even though he saw what was going on, he still had abilities that he was able to do stuff, yeah. even limited. Yeah. Where with dementia, where you've got Parkinson's, where, like I said, you've got the gait, you've got everything you've just mentioned, and you've got this disease where you can't remember your family, you can't remember to wash yourself, feed yourself, etc. makes it far more worse. Oh, it's terrific on all sides of the gate, isn't it? Yeah. But there's a few things Pete's going to do. We're going to try and do this now. You know we're not the most technical gang. <laughs> but um, obviously, because I can't see it, but Lee's going to click it on, and uh, Pete's going to walk us through it. So if you'd like to do it at home, and if you can't do it at home, Hansel, send us a message saying you can't see it on screen. I know you'll do it for a sober off. Just bear with me a second. Hopefully this is going to work. 
Right, hopefully you can now all, all, all see that, um, Pete. Okay, just in case you can't, what we basically got on the screen is lots of words. Basically, they're colours, but they're in the wrong colour. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Lee to look at the words, but what I want him to do is not tell me the word. I want him to tell me the colour that the word is in. Over to you, Lee. So I'm just making sure I'm getting this right. That's slightly... So the first one, blue. Yeah. Second one, red. Yeah. Yellow, black, purple, yellow, <laughs> green, red, orange, blue. Okay, well done. Did that was hard. <laughs> so you stumbled, yeah? Yeah. Right. Just to explain, again, you know, if you take it off, I'll just explain why it is. What happens is, because I'm asking you the, the colour, not the word, your right side of your brain is trying to read the colour. Your left side of the brain is trying to read the word. And you were doing really well until you got to that one and you went, uh, and you had to think about it. Now, what you've got to consider is we, as far as we're aware, have no condition that's destroying our brain or confusing us, etc. So it should be reasonably easy for us to do that. Now take that with somebody you who's... You've got me worried there a bit, Pete, to be honest. <laughs> that one reasonably easy. Uh, yeah. I know your childhood, so I'm saying nothing. <laughs> but if you look at it logically, if you've got... Somebody where disease is, is literally destroying parts of the brain. So, like I said, the first part is the hippocampus, then it moves on to the area where things like numbers and words slowly change. You can't make sense of them. You can't plan tomorrow what you're going to read because it just doesn't happen. And then from there, it moves to the kind of frontal part, um, which you start looking at things like behavior. Now, when, you, when your frontal lobe gets attacked, your behavior and personality changes. Now, part of the problem with personality and behaviour is when you, it's not that people do not know swear words. So you've got this lovely 72-year-old grandmother, never sworn in her life, doesn't mean she doesn't know how to. What she's done before this is, she's controlled it. She never swore. She never told you. But all of a sudden, this brain's been attacked. This control isn't there anymore. And she will just turn around and go, you go and, and the words will just flow out. And families often think, my mother doesn't swear. No, she doesn't. It's not her. It's because this part of the brain is now destroyed. From there, it moves into an area where, where you make sense of things like smell, taste, sight, so your senses, it starts to attack them, which now causes you to have hallucinations and delusions. Now, if I said to you, what's the difference between a hallucination and a delusion? So a hallucination is something that you're, you, you, you think you're seeing, a delusion yeah. is something that's... A delusion. I'd say hallucination is where you you can see something that a difference. A delusion is where you're living it. Yeah. So if you look at somebody with hallucinations, if I said to you now, there's there's rats in the corner, there's rats in the corner, and you said, oh, okay, I'll move them. You're not going to move them. There's no point you trying that because as soon as you go near them, they're going to run in different directions, and I'm still going to be upset, de-stressed, screaming, whatever. Anxiety hits the roof. What you almost need to do is apologise to me for the fact that you can't see it but you understand my anxieties and agitation because I can. And would it be better if you took me out of the room away from the rats rather than trying to move the rats? Right. What most people will do is almost say, oh, no, 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 you can't be seeing them because I don't see them. It doesn't matter that you can't see them. That person can. Yeah. From there, it goes into um, kind of long-term memory. And this is where we start having issues because your long-term memory is everything we're basing your history on. So what was your likes, your dislikes, what did you do with work, who was your favourite artist, what school did you go to, all that, where did you go to work, what did you do? 
from when that starts to go, unfortunately, you then start to lose your balance. So you have falls and injuries, and from there, unfortunately, this awful disease will stop your breathing, and it is death. But it takes it can take like Alzheimer's anywhere between you know, up to ten years individually for each person. That's any problem. As you said, they're not with the rats. Mm. And if you're having a delusion of rats, it doesn't matter what it is. It, think of the thing that really gets you scared. Mm. If you're thinking it, that's the thing that gives you the heebie-jeebies, isn't it? It could be moths, butterflies. And as you've rightly said, if you go, oh, don't be saft, Pete, um, the rats aren't in here, you're going, I'm telling you, my heart's jumping from my chest, all I can see those rats. Yeah. But if you can go, either apologise or go, let's go into the other room. Yeah. And that, that kind of puts you at ease, thinking, I'll, I'll avoid the kitchen because that's where the rats are. But if you say they're not here, you're going, well, I can't confide in you because you can't see what I can yeah. see. You're almost basically telling somebody that just because you can't see them, that they must be lying. When actually, it's a condition. You know, say the, the brain is actually saying, do you know what? I can. I'll give an example. And again, you have to look at kind of history in people's lives. And I'm not saying um, you'll always get it right because we don't. I was once told a story of a lady who, when she went to, it was a care home. When she went to bed, she could see her husband coming out of the ceiling. And that was her hallucination. So I said to the staff, what, what do you think it is? And we sort of went around and I said, okay, look at the age of what this lady is and go back in history. And I said, what did she do in history? And what she was was a house mother, a housewife. So in the morning, got up, got the husband's breakfast, sent him off to work, get the kids off to school, did the housework, husband comes back and... First thing most people did in them days was go and get washed and changed. At my work clothes, into my civvies, if you want to put it. Um, but when I come down, what was expected? My, yeah, my tea on the table. If she then didn't have the tea on the table, you got a chance that the husband was going, oh, what are you doing? And having a bit of a go. Now, that hallucination may be a fear that that was what was happening. And again, you just have to go back and, and try and work out little things that might be causing that distress and it is often if you go back in history you'll find it that's really awkward to do as you said before though if you've got an 83 year old and, and the majority of the yeah. family's gone so the care staff who are looking over them trying to piece that together in some situation must be nigh and impossible and you might know gertrude as being this saintly woman who's raised the kids and she might have been right to her egg with jizzy absolutely yeah you know? it, it, again it can work the other way you've got somebody who you know, he's very strict. He's quite sort of angry at times. Um, but because the brain changes, it can flip the other way. But actually, now, family are thinking, well, she's a bit mild today. Why is that like? And it's purely because the brain's changed. I've heard people say, my mother doesn't take sugar. But because the brain's changed, yes, yeah, she does. She likes sweet stuff. And I've heard before, like, this lovely woman has all, all of a sudden been shouting very racist things at the nurse. But as you said, it's not because she is. She picked up them words and then mm. she's just jubbled it up and yeah. she's seen someone of colour and said these heinous, horrible things, but that's not Gertrude anymore. That's no. not, you know, Vamia. Again, if we go on that point, if you look at history, um, it's not just racist, i.e., you know, whether you're black or any other colour. In this country, if you had a dog, you couldn't have accommodation, you couldn't go to a bedstead. Yeah. If you were Irish, you were banned. Yeah. So English history is not brilliant in itself. But if you're brought up by family to believe in certain uh, ways of living, you've got to remember this person, just because you, you know, with all due respect to my colleagues, just because you are of a different colour skin and looking after somebody, they're not being personal. They're not having to go at you. It's because back in the day, 
that's what they, that's what they were taught. They don't just, you know, pick on something, you know, oh, I don't like you because it's not. And what I explained to care staff when I talked to them is, and it doesn't have to be colour of skin or anything else. I, I might go, so let's say the two of us go in and, and I look after Tom. Now, let's say we've got both a blue colour top, which is our uniform. He's not going to worry about this. What he's seeing is the colour. He sees the bulk and that's going to be the colour. So if I upset him, when you go in, he might tell you to go and sod off and he doesn't want your help, etc. But it's not you, it's the colour. It's, it's the association that somebody with that colour came in here and upset me. I don't want it from you either. Well, once again, you put that so brilliantly. It is. Um, it's fascinating. Because um, you've um, written a couple of books, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've written two. Um, the first one's just a very small book. It, basically, what trying to get people to understand is around behaviour. So it's actually called Distressed Behaviours um, in Dementia. And what it does, it teaches you to look at being a detective. And that might seem strange. Most people with behaviour, um, believe it or not, they have four areas that they do. And it's a kind of thing that if you work out which of these four they're looking for, you can often work within that parameter. Now, first one is what we call social. And if you think about social, so let me ask you a question. In your social gathering as such, how many people have you got on your Facebook? We use Facebook just for the sake of it. I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I don't use Facebook enough to, to okay. know how many people have got. A couple of thousand, A couple of thousand. Okay. Now, the obvious question there is, how many of those are family? Ten. I have a couple of thousand. Yeah. How many of those are truly your friends? Yeah, probably a couple of hundred, say. Yeah. See, the problem is, is human nature is we, most of us like to be liked. So if somebody says, oh, I'm a friend of Lee's, etc., do you want to connect? We all go, oh, if he knows Lee, yeah. we'll connect. But person with dementia loses those connections. So the next door neighbour that they lived together for 40, yeah, next door to 40 years, they lose it. Family members, they start to lose, really because they can't recognise, you know, faces, etc. The connection isn't there anymore. So it's it's one of those things that with sort of social is they still need people that, that actually know them from, from the past. It's too easy to say to somebody, and a lot of the times families will say, I, I can't sort of cope with mum, I can't cope with dads. And I understand that and I've got no issues. But a lot of the time when they've got no family, somebody, a professional will say, oh, we need to put you in a residential home or a nursing home now think about it logically if you look at your house i'm pretty sure you could say to me what the color curtains are if you've yeah. got any or blinds what the carpet is or the flooring what the setting is what your kitchen what your cups are like everything that you've built up with your family you will know what happens if i suddenly decide you can't cope on your own but you know what i'm going to pick you up i'm going to put you in this home where there's all these people who you don't know you don't know the staff, you don't know the other residents, you don't know the shades, the colours, anything else. And I'm going to say, this is your room for the rest of your life. I suppose you can relate to that quite a bit, can't you, Kev? Because I know when I come round your house, you know, with, without your sight being great, you know where everything is, don't you? I know. Even then, then says that Jim, I know. And if someone like Akai puts me jumper on the ironing pile, I'll be there going through everything. But if I know it's in that drawer, I'll just walk, put my hand in, Grab the jumper out I want. So for that poor bugger, it, it, it'd be like dumping you in into my house, wouldn't well, it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, just saying, I mean? there you go, Kev, get, on, go get on with it. The socks are still in the top drawer, but you can put which drawer yeah. in which room. I'll give you a, a sort of weird example. So, do you drink tea? Yeah. 
So if I asked you now to tell me the stages of making a cup of tea, um, tell me how you make a cup of tea. Um, put the water in the kettle, okay. boil the kettle, get the cup, add the tea bag, once the water's been oiled, put okay. it in, add your milk. Would you add anything or change anything? Uh, get the cup, tea bag, boil the kettle, pour it in. Right. So the, the, the first thing there is you're both doing it how you feel you need to yeah. do it. Right, here's the first thing. You put the water in the kettle. Didn't turn the tap on. Didn't turn the tap on. <laughs> yeah. You turn the tap on, you didn't take the lid off the off the tea, off the kettle. The problem is when you break down tasks, when you've got somebody with dementia, it's not about the whole task. It's about being part of the task. And now, again, understanding obviously about colour rows, if you look at teaching a child with disability, and it's the same with somebody with dementia or anything else, we do what we call forward chaining and backward chaining. Let's, let's up it again a bit. So, Kevin, tell me how to put a, a shirt on a man. Uh, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> put the shirt on, man. The, yeah. the pressure's on, get, Kevin. Get the shirt out. Yeah. Uh, which shirt? I'm, I'm, which shirt? Yeah. Ask okay. the man what colour shirt he'd like. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Pull three or four out. Which one do you, again, what, what some people don't realise is you can ask somebody who doesn't understand what you're saying. So, which shirt would you like to wear? What's a shirt? So if you pull three or four out, it's actually, believe it or not, called an object of reference. Yeah. You bring a shirt out with four different colours, he can then look at it and go, I'll have that one. Yeah. So you've got the shirt, yeah. And then would you say, is it okay if I put it on you? Yeah, can I help you? Can I assist you? Uh, do the do you want to do it yourself? Yeah, do you want to do it yourself? Yeah. Uh, uh, if he asked me to put it on, let's say I'm going to put it over your head, these are your arms, try and get his arms in. So, so the shirt's already done up, is it? Undo his buttons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all those little stages. So even if the shirt's undone, which which arm would you put in, right or left? Uh, I'd go around the back and say which arm. Yeah. So put an arm in okay. then put the arm in for him. Love then it. say, is it okay for me to button it up for you? Or which is really great because now the buttons are on the back. <laughs> no, I'll sort around the back of him. I'll put his arms in. Yeah. <laughs> fold it over. But what you didn't say is I'd put the right arm in but uh, make sorry. sure that the opening is at the front. Yes. It's so... Yeah, what it yeah, is, is yeah. when you're trying to break tasks down, yeah. there is so many tasks for everything. It's a bit like going to the cup of tea. It doesn't matter if I feel the, or you turn the tap on. I've took part. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I stir the cup. I've took part. It doesn't matter yeah. if we bake a cake and I put the you know squirt, squirt some icing. I've took part. Um, engagement is really important with somebody with dementia. And it's not doing it all. It's just doing parts. Yeah, so they still feel like they're in the loop of doing it. Yeah. So when you look at social, it's about getting everybody else. Your next part is what we call tangible. Now, tangible is all the stuff that you can touch and grab hold of. So again, tangible is I can grab a bottle of water, I can take the lid off and I can drink. The other one, believe it or not, is escape. And I don't mean getting out the door and running down the road. What I mean is escape from the noise, escape from other people. I just want time to myself. I want to be able to breathe, take time and get easy. And your last one is your senses. So this is going to sound really bizarre. If I asked Lee to go and stand on that side of the room, run to the door and bang your head against the wall, is it good or bad? Bad. Actually, it's good. Right. It is bad to the point where it will create pain. But for a few seconds, it's good. Because inside your brain is a thing called beta endorphin. Now, beta endorphin, believe it or not, is a chemical that when you create pain causes an anaesthetic. Beta endorphin is 100 times more powerful than morphine itself. That love the self-harm aspect yeah so some people will do something that creates that rush not because they they um 
want to hurt themselves or they're trying to create pain, that rush is escape. This situation I can't cope with, bang, there you go, gone. It's, it's that simple. It's, it's not difficult to think about. That's what we've said before when I had um, Ian Hines on from Mental Health First, CIC. He says, men often think, self-harm, what do you do? But how many of us have gone and hit the wall and bust yeah, our hands up? Yeah. But it's the same thing, isn't yeah. it? That I've eat it, even though I, if I go and put some boxing gloves on, mm. I'm getting the same exercise, but I'm frustrated, I'll go and kick the wall, punch the wall to get that bit of a kick, that bit of a rush. Yeah, it makes you feel better, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's all it is, is like you say, you're trying to get a rush. So, like I say, there's the four things that people tend to look for with behaviour. Like I say, it's social, senses, tangible, and escape. And what's your second book? And where can they find these, by the way? Amazon. I'll, I'll put the link in the description anyway. So, <laughs> um, Just before people think oh, I was trying to make loads of money, I'm actually not. Um, the books are relatively cheap. They are, they are there really to try and help and guide people to look at um, what might be causing the distress. Um, the second book is actually called uh, Distressed Behaviours um, in Dementia. It's a, a workbook and it has strategies. And believe it or not, one of the strategies you can do is a thing called planned ignoring. So because your behaviour is the way it is, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to engage you just for two or three minutes. I'm going to do something else and just plan to ignore you. Now, what will happen is one of two things. Yes, I know before people tell me, well, that could heighten the behaviour. Actually, it's more likely to bring somebody down because they're wondering why you're not engaging. But there's so much well, more. My missus does that with me all the time. She just ignores me. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> That's marriage. Okay. Just, just, That's what it brings you down. They're used to it. <laughs> the problem when you look at behaviour between relationships is, I get it a lot of the time, um, you haven't answered me. <laughs> and my answer is, and I know, apologies to ladies who ever watch, is that, to answer somebody, you need a question. If you make a statement, it doesn't necessarily need an answer. <laughs> I get in trouble so many times. <laughs> um, but when, when you look at behaviour, like I said, a lot of people will do stuff, like I say, it could be pain, it could be social. One of the things that people and families really find difficult, uh, and, and again, apologies for talking about it, is actually sex. Yeah. Just because I have a body of 83, You've got to remember that my brain isn't. My brain is back 23. My sexual uh, abilities can actually heighten. It can actually become more interesting to me, but more problematic for families and carers. Well, we were saying that earlier, wasn't we, when people start um, performing things on the self, you know, and masturbating and different things. Mm. It could be shocking to, good, yeah, what's been Anne doing? Or I've gone to see Gladys doing mm. it. But in her frame of mind, she's yeah. back at that young, yeah, you know, absolutely. beautiful state. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like I say, the perception is that it's, you know, shouldn't happen, you know, again, for all the young ones in the world, um, just because that noise you think shouldn't be happening, it's not particularly snoring. Yeah. <laughs> sex, sex doesn't stop at any age. It's a lifestyle choice. If you choose not to have sex with your partner and your partner's okay with that, that's your choice. Yeah. But you've got this disease that's actually saying, do you know what? I feel really good. I, I want to touch. I want to explore. And it does all come back. And let's like say families and carers find it difficult to deal with. That's just them being that younger person again. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's good that we can discuss this because it's normal in, yeah. in these circumstances or anything. As you say, even if you're a well person, you know, you still have those desires. So it's, it's just natural. Yeah, it doesn't change just because I, I've got a certain age 
Um, what I might have chosen was not to, you know, to do it as much or, or at all. It depends. But now I've got this disease that's actually saying, do you know what? Yeah, I do. I want that. And I, I enjoy it. I think we've hit some real... Has there been any more questions, Lee, about this? Um, there's just... Uh, Steve asked for... Sorry, let me just find it. There we go. So Steve's asking, really, if there's support groups, which you, you've mentioned them before. So if you can give me those support groups in an email after, I'll drop them on the notes as well. Yeah, so I'll send them over. But um, if you go on Facebook and just put Dementia Support, you've got a, a group called Dementia Aware... Uh, you've got even one that's uh, dementia and uh, professionals. I think that's in the UK. There's loads. I, I mean, I've recently joined them. Uh, and again, I, I've offered different bits of advice, a bit of advice that I had that I gave somebody and she hadn't ever thought about it. And again, it is a strategy. And some people find it difficult. Will it distress the person out? Again, we're not going to know until you try. Um, her mother was basically kept trying to go outside and she would have a fall. Is there any way? And what they were looking at, and people were, with all due respect, talk to the GP, have medication. Well, as a nurse, believe it or not, I'm not an advocate for just popping pills on people. There's other ways we can deal with behaviour and distress. So what I said is if you take, um, if, if she keeps going out the door, if you take a black circular map, place it in front of the door, because the brain has changed, her perception of that black map is it's a hole. So she won't actually stand into it. What she'll do is look at it, think, oh, I can't step into that. She'll turn around and look for another exit. Within two minutes to three minutes, what her, her original thought was about leaving the house will probably change. And it's just a simple strategy. Because I said that to you earlier, and I said, will it distress and will it? And then when you explain it like that simple, mm. within two, three minutes, it's out of her mind again. Yeah, And that could, that could be the difference between him or her going outside and getting into physical, real harm. Yeah. When you got somebody that's showing as I put it, distressed behaviours. If I put you into a, so if I if I put you into a situation now, um, where I can you can be calm now, and in about five, ten minutes, I can get you to the point of slowly getting upset, slowly getting angry, to the point where do you know what? If I ain't careful, I'm gonna I'm so gonna kill you, you're gonna die. But this person will say one thing to you that will bring you all the way back down. And it's the way that when you when you're trying to help people who are distressed, who don't understand what's going on around them and do have these behaviours that, that can lead to lots of distress, shouting, etc. Sometimes a calm, relaxing way of talking and the right words can actually bring them back down. So I'll give you an example. You go shopping at any of the stores that you go to, you know, we won't mention them like we did earlier, um, and you get your shopping. You're walking around, you've got your shopping trolley, you've got your partner, you've got the kids, and they're all throwing stuff in. And while you're walking around, you're thinking, I don't want that. I don't need that. Stop putting that in there. So you're starting to get wound up. The longer you take around there thinking, I should have been done half an hour ago, but, you know, chat, 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 and we had to bump into those friends, and that's put me back. When you eventually get to the till, you're going to have somebody in front of you. Now, that person is being having all their food stuff scanned through, but what are they doing at the same time? What's happening between that person, the customer, and the customer service. They're having a good old rattle. They're having a good old rattle. <laughs> They're chatting. And the longer they go on, you sit there going, you don't hurry up. Yeah. You're so going to get it. <sighs> I've got to be so-and-so. 7.15 we start, and I'm still stuck here. If you don't move, if you don't get rid of it, you're going to die. I am going to give you what for. As soon as that person goes and your stuff is being scanned and you walk up to that customer services, what do they normally say? 
You're right, love. You had a nice day. And I apologise <laughs> for your way. Yeah. I apologise for keeping it. And you all go, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. No problem. <laughs> 30 seconds ago, death was a board. <laughs> and it, all it is is it just takes a little relaxation, a little way of talking to somebody, calming the situation down, and not getting stressed yourself. If you get stressed, you become confrontational. And if it becomes confrontational, you have lost. That person now knows that you've got no control. It's like when you're in the shop and uh, mm. they're having a chat amongst themselves, and you go, "Excuse me," and they go, two seconds, I'm talking." That winds you up. Oh yeah. yeah. But instead of two seconds, I'll be with you. That diffuses, or I'm ever so sorry for you waiting. Yeah. It's again like I say, if you if you phone, I don't know, say you phone O2 because you're on O2 having a problem with the connection. If they say to you, um, "I'm just going to pass you through," I'm going to put you on hold. You go, "Oh no, no don't." If they said to you, I need to put you on hold to pass you through to a person who can assist you, you'll go, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. It's all about explanations. Yeah. So if somebody tells you why it's going to happen, what you, again, with all due respect to my colleagues and everybody who works in care, and I do respect you, I've worked in it for 42 years, the most common answer if someone said to one of the carers or the nurses, I need the toilet, is be with you in a minute. Problem is you've now put a time on it. Yeah. Now you've got a time on it, that person expects you to come, within a minute, which is 60 seconds. The longer you take, the more wound up they get. Yeah. Now, the problem is, cycle of, of sort of explain, because I've got dementia, what I don't realise is my blood is telling me I need to go now. No. It's just telling me something needs to be done. The longer you take, when the bladder gets full, it creates pain. That pain, though, is radiating to the point where I can't control it. So I'm thinking... Come here, come, I want to go now. Now, and my behavior starts to change. If you can't recognize, I'm now in distress because I'm doing all these signs. I'm not just shouting and screaming, I'm using physical gestures. Eventually, at some point, unfortunately, I'm probably going to get embarrassed because I've just wet myself. You've just created a whole new world rather than thinking, um, yeah, I understand you want the toilet, Pete, but actually, I'm just taking Doris. When I come back from Doris, I'll take you. I'm going to watch for you to bring Doris. And then I'm going to think, oh, it's me next. I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. But the longer you tell somebody, you promise somebody's going to be a minute, and you take longer, it just causes that escalation. And it, that that's a lot of what I hope people can get, take from this. If we are taking care of these people, we've got to allow them to know they're being taken care it's of. Careful. I don't think it's just that, though. Is it? We should be doing that anyway, shouldn't we? Should we? Just, just with, with anyone, you know. It's that simple, isn't it? It's a change of words. It's that simple to do with everyone, and, it, and it'll ease everyone's... Anxiety around that as well. And to, sort of to highlight that point, Lee, is, is the fact that we shouldn't expect them to go at our pace. Mm. What we what we should be doing is go at their pace. You haven't got a 32-year-old, an 18-year-old that can keep up with you. You've got an 80-year-old who's already slowing down because of physical, let alone mental. You've also got this disease that, like I say, start to slow things down. Um, it's a bit like if I held up a cup now, just a cup, nothing else, and I didn't say any words, but I held a cup up and said to you, that cup would say to you, do you want a drink? Do you want your mm. coffee? Now, just to show you how we can cause the wrong thing is if you think about a cup, it's ceramic. In a ceramic cup, and you were taught as a child, and so was I, that it tends to have hot liquids mm. to your coffee. If you put water in a cup, that person's belief, because of what they were taught, is that's hot. That's hot. Yeah. So what? I'll just let, I'll let it cool. I'll let it cool. What I might do is, because I'm 83, I might get a bit tired, so I'll fall asleep. Somebody comes along and thinks, oh, Pete doesn't want that. I'll take it away. Three hours of dehydration because we put the drink mm -hmm. in the wrong receptacle. It goes in a beaker or in a glass. Mm -hmm. That's what we're taught as children. Mm -hmm. 
and as we grow up. Again, that's not something I wouldn't even thought about associating in that. When you explain it like that, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? It's, again, like I said, it's again going back to the book. The book, the second one, um, like I said, distress behaviors. Like I said, it's got strategies as well. So it's distress behaviors in dementia with coping strategies. It's a workbook. It literally is a workbook. As you go through, ask you questions. So you, if you take pain, one of the questions it will ask you is. Um, look at biological pain what kind of things are biological pain so you're looking at things like arthritis you're looking at things like chest infections they all create pain and what you do is you start to answer and then what you look at all the questions is like say you start to be a detective so when did this behavior start is it a new behavior what time of day did it start has something altered in the environment has somebody new walked in the door so you when you start asking questions you can start working out why that person may be doing what they're doing Makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. I hope so. Yeah, it does. Try to. Is there anything before um, advertise next show, and I'll ask you a quote? Is there anything you'd like to bring up, or is there anything you'd like to say? I, I think that what people need to understand about dementia is the person is not the problem. The problem is the communication that they're trying to give you. So you're looking at things like needs and needs and wants. So the person's trying to communicate. Don't look at the person as the problem. Look at what the communication is telling you. What is the need or want they're trying to communicate, either verbally or physically or gestures or anything else, they're actually trying to tell you something. I think I'd add to that and don't get wound up if you can't figure out the answer yourself because that's yeah. not helping. That's, that's what I'm that's here not, for. Yeah, that's not helping the situation <laughs> no. anyway. No, thank you very much. Yeah, thank Pleasure. you. Next week, we're going to be joined with uh, Chris from the Samaritans. I've asked Chris to come on. Uh, we're going to be doing it through uh, the internet. Hopefully, everything works. And we're going to be going through loads of different stuff, queries about the Samaritans, give some facts, and I'm even going to um, pretend I'm phoning up the Samaritans. Because if you phone up one of these helplines, uh, Papyrus, uh, Samaritans, or all these different helplines, it's not weakness. It takes real courage to ask for help. So that'll be next week at the same time. So is there any quote or sayings that you think have got you through or, or that relates to dementia? The only thing I would say, final note, is I think was, I think it was Aaron asked about routines. Don't follow your routine; follow theirs. So until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. To all of it. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.